these are our topics. For once, he didn't uh, talk before the music came on. No. Oh, yeah, we're on. All right, we're on, dude. Sweet. <laughs> All right, dude. All right. So uh, we're gonna change it up a little bit today. Yeah. What are we gonna do? Uh, we have. If you guys watch the, if you guys follow the the bulk resupply business page, uh, there's Mr. Chili in there and, and a bunch of stuff that we do. Uh, every day we're posting uh, the featured thread from the Ask BRS TV uh, Facebook group. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'll tell you what, this is some, some this are pretty pretty interesting conversations happening. Like one of them has over two hundred some comments on it. And uh, so Adam goes in there and picks the the ones that seem pretty cool, throws them on the business page, and then we talk about them. So we're going to talk about them today. All right. Solid, man. Solid. You know, I just thought it would be fun to change it up a little bit. So uh, we're going to start it off today, though, with uh, giving away stuff, man. We got a few things to give away. Two, three of them. All right. We got Edward here from Warren, Michigan. Uh, He's getting back uh, $30 in. 69 cents in uh, reward points to pay for his filter pad from Lifeguard and a mid-size 3040 custom sock holder from Innovative Marine. Nice. Solid. Uh, David here from Mattisville, uh, Louisiana. $79.97 for a 25-pound box of Aquaphor salt. Solid. And uh, Alex here from uh, New Rochelle, New York. He is getting $128.59. He's getting uh, refoundation A, B, C, energy A, B, ocean wonders, uh, some extra thick glue from BRS, and uh, black egg crate. Cool. So for those of you who don't know, uh, just become a preferred reefer. Uh, hit the link on the bottom or the footer of the website, and we give away orders and uh, stuff that's in your carts. Looks like today all he found was uh, just orders. orders today. And by the way, you should oh, yeah. last week. <laughs> Holy cow. Oh, last week I said something to the effect of nobody had anything in their shopping carts today. Uh, the way that we pick these, so the way that I pick these, we've got, you know, this pool of preferred reefers, and then I randomly pick a spot in there with the random number generator, and then we're starting from that point, just open up accounts. And if they have something in their shopping cart, or if they have something in a recent order, then we draw them, and we pick them. So out of each week's pool, every once in a while, I don't see anything with in their shopping cart. So there you go. So. There's the explanation. But these, uh, congrats to these three winners. I'll have that credited to you here in like uh, before the end of the day. Probably, probably. All right, hey, we promised last week actually that we were going to go to my house. Yeah, uh, we tried it. Shoot an area (laughs) of the house where we might put a new tank in. Didn't work out. Yeah. Uh, We got like a total of, uh, I don't have internet at the house yet, so there's like a total of. one megabit a second upload on my phone ain't, ain't gonna roll. So yeah, you guys wouldn't be able to hear us. It'd be choppy. It's just, it'd be terrible. Yeah, it'd be terrible. Yeah, we so, could do better. I don't know. We'll get there sooner or later. But we uh, did uh, briefly talk about like where the tank would go, what it would look like, you know, the sump in the back, the water, all this. So it's pretty exciting, actually. Uh, you know, man, me and my wife were over there all weekend just staring at it. At the wall where the tank's gonna <laughs> like, go. There's, like, there's this wall. <laughs> There's that wall. It could be peninsula, and then we were thinking about room divider, yeah. and like all kinds of different stuff. Yeah. So I don't know. You know, it's fun that she's actually engaging it. Well, when you get some internet over there, we'll go. We'll go do a live. Right. Awesome. Cool. All right. So let's pick the first one. Just random it for us, man. Uh, I don't know. There's, so these are all again like uh, questions that people asked uh, on hashtag TV. We featured uh, these posts on our main page uh, over on BRS. Yeah. And. Uh, I don't know. We just picked him out. All right. Oh, oh yeah. this is a good one. Yeah, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> so Jonathan asks. Uh, he was in here talking about his tank parameters and all this other stuff, and he just wanted to basically, you know, how do you bring 
corals back from the dead. Okay, how do you? Uh, yeah, like I okay. Mean, so this, I mean, stop that from happening. This or? is like a, an A can or a blasto. It looks like. Oh no, he said this was a scoli. Okay, um, so we've all seen, you know, those those A cans or blastos or scolies, those LPS that have a lot of thick tissue flesh, and when they start to recede, you see just nothing but skeleton and the lines and the circles and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. But there's still a little bit of living flesh in the center, like in the mouth. Hey, bring that back up for a second, so, actually. So I've seen corals come back from like from this. Full uh, force. Yeah, absolutely, man. I, I've seen them come back from this too, and you know, like I'll say a couple of things. So I'm gonna share with you, let you share a few things that you've done, maybe, or uh, mm -hmm. anybody you know has done, and I'll talk a couple of my things. So yeah, so, go back to us. I, I mean, I've had a, I've had a few, of course, Acan colonies that started to recede back, and so for the most part, if it's so LPS, if it's an LPS like this one, um, you know low flow something light i don't know i uh feeding it people say if you like surround it so you take like the bottle uh the top of a 20 ounce bottle and you cut the t cut, cut it, it off and then you can like target feed so nothing can get around it and just it envelop it cone, yeah, yeah. Like put tube on it yeah, and you put some like re or some uh like maybe some reef chili or reef energy a and b some kind of liquid form type so stuff. just to give you a little bit more idea you cut it off uh the top of that that two liter bottle yeah Put a straw down, like drill a hole in the cap, you mm -hmm. know, then put some tube up to like a reef chili, uh, like a squeezer, squeezer bar, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. a bottle rather, and you can just kind of spray it all in there. So Yeah, some say that enveloping these things or soaking these things, uh, soaking, uh, helps to, you know, I don't know, to create a feeding response or does something to where they can like suck it up through the tissue and the algae, zooxanthellae and stuff get it, but... Um, you know, there's also something to be said to like, depending on how it's receding or why or how fast it's receding, something to be said to like a dip too. Like it could be mm -hmm. some bacterial related type thing. Could mm -hmm. be pests or something like that too. So, uh, yeah, uh, sticks though. Like when it comes to sticks dying, if it's like RT and STN from the bottom, uh, start fragging. That's always been yep. my go-to. So. I would say that in most cases, if your stick is dying, like not all cases, but most, mm. your best avenue is to, as soon as you see it, take it out, cut off the, frag it out, and then just grow the healthy tissue. If the healthy tissue dies after that, mm. it's probably one of two things. Something's wrong with the tank parameters in the, in the water, you know, either nutrients are off or there's some kind of contaminant in the water yeah. or you're not maintaining alkalinity right or whatnot, mm -hmm. uh, or you have a pest in the tank. Yeah. You know, so like there's, if, if you frag it and, it and it's not doing well after that, it's probably something wrong with it. Well, see, there was a coral here in the uh, 160 here. We call, I called it my canary coral because it kind of always told me, you know, color, how color was doing, nutrient, or nutrition levels, things mm -hmm. like that. It always told me stuff about the tank. And this one in particular, uh, the base of it started to, like, RTN, so, or no, it's STN, so slow tissue necrosis. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, I, without fra not fragging it, not taking it apart, I realized that's when I realized that this power head on that side had been completely shut off for I don't know how long, weeks mm -hmm. maybe. So it just wasn't getting flow. But as soon as we turned the flow back on, I didn't frag it or anything, and then it just grew back over that dead tissue. So that's a super slow loss. Yeah, that's a good case. Yeah, good point. So we're back with that coral there that they're, uh, we're showing. So with this guy right here. Scoli, it says. Yeah. yeah. My two biggest things that I've had success with is usually that is an indication of, like, some kind of irritant is in the water. Mm, okay. uh, and, like, you know, knee-jerk, calcium, or carbon, you know, but carbon doesn't work. 
uh, like a series of large water changes, mm. you know, and, you know, getting whatever's in the water that's making it mad uh, yeah. out of the water. The other most likely thing, I mean, let's just assume you're maintaining calcium and alkalinity correct, right? Right. Like, I mean, that's like the go-to thing, you mm -hmm. know, like we should just make that assumption yeah right you've already considered that okay uh if that's not the case man then either something's in the water making it mad or man uh like the next one i think i think of is lack of nitrogen or phosphorus okay and you know? so here's his tank parameters based off his post his ammonia was at 0.25 ammonia which i'm thinking that might be some kind of like api ballpark type test kit yeah, I mean, if you got ammonia in your tank, that means it's not cycled. But the ammonia probably isn't toxic to the coral itself. Mm -hmm. In fact, the corals may even like prefer ammonia as its nitrogen source. Mm. So uh, zero nitrate, zero nitrites. He says uh, ten to fifteen part per million nitrates. 8.7 alk, 425 calcium, 13. So alk and calcium and magnesium, 1380. Uh, that seems on ah. point. You know, well, so two primes is, I don't know how big that tank is. Another Ooh. thing that, uh, like, will produce that with a, a, a coral like that one is too bright a light. Too bright super, a light. Super, super, super mm. common. So, mm. like, this is the things I do. If I saw that, you know, personally, if I saw that happen with my with my coral and I did all the testing that this person did, uh -huh. uh, which is right on track, I don't think nitrate is a, is a problem. Uh, I don't, can't see phosphate in there, but I didn't see um, it yeah. you know, presumably phosphate isn't too low. But I haven't really seen phosphate too low, like actually kill anything like that before. Right. But you know, maybe uh, you know, it needs to have some source of nitrogen. But it, it's in there already, so I, I think my knee jerk would be to move it to an area if it looks like it's getting a lot of light. Yeah. Move it to somewhere where it's getting a little bit less. Mm. Uh, if it's you know getting. A core like that doesn't need a tremendous amount of flow, so if it's getting right. pounded with flow, I'd probably move it. It doesn't look one. like that. But I think my number one, you know, knee jerk in this case is probably too much some light. Significant water changes, man. Yeah, and you could see like uh, so in the f in the background there, it looks like some more LPS type corals that are tucked up next to the rock in the shadows. This one seems to be kind of sort of out in the middle too, so maybe it's, it is getting blasted with some light. Yeah, uh, I mean, so it's specifically, if you know that you haven't been super good about water changes, it's time. You know, something could be yeah. in the water, some kind of irritant, you know, all kinds of contaminants off your hands or, you know, build up from foods and stuff. So people don't think about it, but like you're feeding all kinds of shrimp and whatever to the tank and mm -hmm. those types of things, can, you know, contain different irritants, you know, just from being out in the wild. So yeah. uh, if you haven't been good about your water changes, man, that, that'd be my knee jerk right there. When in uh, doubt, water change it out. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, especially, you know, you see stuff like that with euphilias and stuff too. Yeah. And if it looks like that, then probably it, it there's something in the water making it angry. Yeah. All right. Let's, let's see. Let's cool. see the next one. Hey, by the way, I'll actually see if we have a couple of questions here. So if questions come up in relation to these things, man, we'll do our best to answer them here. Yeah, so uh, it looks like we're we're only able to answer from YouTube today. So oh, our little program didn't want to yep. Facebook, but uh, there's some just regular general questions. All right, well, Dave, like. so try to pull out some questions for us related to these things, but we'll hit the next one. Uh, all right. Ah, cool. This ah, Bob. One. Bob was so Bob is. I think he's tongue-in-cheek kind of <laughs> like showing off his tank, which is looks awesome. They're like Bob's got a jam-packed tank full of uh, looks like softies and LPS and stuff. And he's just kind of asking the group, uh, is it overcrowded? Uh, just keeps like he needs or does he need to keep 
uh, trimming some things back. I called this one coral bonsaiing. So when do you think it's time to start bonsaiing your corals is pretty much what I'm getting out of this one. Uh, maybe you can flip back uh, here, Dave. So, uh, you know, I don't know. When do you start cutting back? Hey, so, again, back to me being like a stickhead and encrusters and SPS and things like that. Uh, for It's when it starts to get like this, when you have two types of sticks growing together and you can obviously like there's signs of uh coral fighting going on oh when they're stuck killing yeah. each other for sure yeah there's there's i mean that's one where you shouldn't even have to some people don't wait and then they just wait until they get pretty close and then they trim them back if it's like an encrusting or base or you kind of bonsai the the wandering arm of the sps if it starts to go um you know then there's LPS corals and uh, some other ones out there with some long sweeper stinging tentacles. And you either know right off the bat that you keep this thing away from all the other corals or that down the road you either keep the corals trimmed back away from it or you keep it in line because it will start to stab some things. You know, that's the problem, right? Like uh, you start the tank off and you're like, man, I want all these little frags to grow and, you know, whatnot. And then you hit like year two mark and you're like, oh, this is an awesome tank. Yeah. And then you hit year three or four and you're like, oh, my gosh, it's all killing each other. You know, or like it's so full, like I need to wheel it back, especially when you got those like softy tanks and whatnot. Right. And so <clears throat> I think that it's important, you know, to think about you know a placement so you don't have to do that as much but with a softy tank it's going to happen no matter what yeah you know? you know but there's something that i like the look personally i like the look of like a jam-packed softy tank because half the hardly times do you see softy tanks that when they start to touch like this leather touches this toadstool that they actually start killing each other oh no, yeah in that case but no. is that is that green star polyps it looks on like the side? gsp on yeah. one side and i see some some uh pulsating exania or some kind of exania in there maybe some toadstools so that's like one of those things with that green star polyps is everybody you know you're like oh this is super cool you know yeah. boobs and whatever it was cheap and it grows fast and then one day it takes over the whole thing yeah and then how do you get it off you know wow. once in a while like depending on the surface you can actually like peel it off but yeah like uh, it, not always depending on the rock you use too because some of that uh crevice type porous rock uh, you can't get it out of that it's done like steve had it in his tank and he he made a big dent in it by peeling it off but there was these a lot of little pieces left over and they just started growing again yeah yeah so Uh, yeah i mean think about it when you're going to put something that's going to grow that fast on there but uh like you put it on islands put it on you know the you know sometimes people put in the glass or the back of the tank so you can peel it off really easy or use a razor blade or whatnot but I personally like the look of that Bob, Bob's tank. I do the it's, tank looks awesome jam-packed. Sure. It's full. Yeah. Uh, you know, especially because it looks like a low-maintenance tank. You know, this is the kind of tank the average person can put in their house and not worry about, it you know, a good. whole lot of work involved yeah. with it. Except for it's going to start to grow into each other, you know. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, man, uh, I mean, the answer is toss out big leathers to make room. Yeah, so you he's know? probably got some big, giant leathers in there that... You can, for the most part, like those toadstools, you can pretty much get in one failed in one failed swoop. And You're gonna end up taking the whole thing out a lot. Of time. Yeah. yeah, you know, but most of those things heal really well. So you know, I guess in in, in general, like you said, it's, it's bonsai. It's about pruning. It's about making sure everything stays in its in its place. And a lot of things like those green star polyps. Once it gets to that, it's you know it's hard to get back. But if you think about it in the beginning, like hey man, I want a little area of green star polyps about yay big, and I don't want it ever get bigger than that. 
you know, people use like uh, kelp paste, you know, just mix up some kelp wasser and oh, some yeah. water, ROEI water, and then just kind of put it in a syringe and spray it around the edge uh, yeah. every once in a while, and it'll kind of kill off the edge of whatever it is and keep it in check. Yeah, you know? if you're going to do that kelp paste, like a paste, like you say, uh, I'd like to use, make it the consistency of toothpaste. I think of mm -hmm. squeezing my toothpaste on my toothbrush. If I use a kelp paste for stuff like that, same consistency for the most well, part. Only check, uh, I'd say, is uh you know, uh, if you were going to use it a lot, yeah, uh, pH will skyrocket when you're right. using it that strong. So right. make sure to, you know, uh, just kind of watch that to some degree. Yeah, I, I made that mistake once when I was just trying to kill in one tank like eight million Aptasia. <laughs> you know, like just going to town one day and like, oh man, the alkalinity actually went up more than I thought it would. Yeah, or the pH rather. Speaking right. of uh, leathers, uh, Reefer mm. Gladness is asking, aren't some leathers to toxic? That's I'd say like like a ton, a lot of corals in the tank are toxic. Oh yeah, agree. yeah, uh, toxic to each other, toxic to humans, toxic to animals. Yeah, yeah. I see a lot of people break out like in small hives and stuff, just putting their hands in the tank. You know, it happens to me sometimes. You know, oh, yeah. like you know, like bristle worms or things and stuff in the tank. You know, uh, there's so many chemicals in there that they're releasing in the wild. You know, like they release that stuff to try to like keep everything, just keep the little corner of the reef. Yeah. In the aquarium, you know, that like, in the, or in the wild, I should say that dissipates like instantly. The currents right? come through, yeah. wash it away. So yeah. It's really toxic yeah. right up next to it. In here though, it just stays in here. So it's and building up one, over time. Each one's trying to do the same thing, so. Yep. Uh, so carbon. <laughs> yeah, definitely carbon. So that goes to the point like about the that coral that we saw that was receding earlier. You know, that could be the you know on a, not just stuff off your hands, but it could be from the other corals in the tank. And so True. knee jerk carbon, uh, even better. Like nothing works like a water change. I change out 50% of the water. I know 50% of whatever's in there's gone. Yeah. You know, like end of story. <laughs> you know, you got to make sure that you're matching up the temperature and the uh, for a large one well. like yeah. that. Yeah. Yep. All right, cool. Uh, uh, we got any questions related yeah, to that some, one? Yeah, still. Uh, any advice for keeping pulsating Xenia in check? Mm. Same thing. You either caulk paste or just manual pruning, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, A, put it, don't put it on anything you care about. Mm. Uh, you know, make sure you put it on an island or something to begin with. But if you're asking, you're probably too late. <laughs> uh, and in that case, yeah, I mean, like, caulk paste works really good. Mm -hmm. uh, I found, uh, like, those... Uh, I don't know forceps or whatnot. You know that like click together. Oh yeah, yeah. So you can grab them with those things, and then you, sometimes you can pull off the whole thing with the root and everything. You can't really do it with your hand. Oh so, yeah. Uh, those are good tools for that. I think I think we sell them on our website, especially the guys with the little hook uh, on the end. Yeah. So kind of the hook allows you to you know not have to or to be able to get an angle that you wouldn't normally get in an aquarium. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I'll tell you this, I mean, don't go do this, but like uh, <laughs> I keep talking about that one time where my auto top off failed and uh, dumped 10 gallons of kelk in my tank. Yeah. Lost some crabs and snails and stuff like that. And I had a whole sheet on the side of the tank was all pulsing Xenia, right? Oh, yeah. The whole, I let the whole side of the glass go pulsing and then it got on the rock and stuff. So one side of the tank just pulsing all day long was super cool, but man, it was going, it was, taking over the whole tank i'd take off sheets of it you know with the <laughs> credit card or whatever just go in the trash actually i think i threw it in the yard but uh i would leave the bottom like inch or so and it would grow up the side of the glass so fast hmm. once it gets stabilized uh but when i killed the when i overdosed the tank man it wiped out all the xenia the, the high, high ph, high pH yeah, all the xenia died 
Except for there must have been some kind of miracle little bit of it left somewhere because right. it came back. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, funny. Genia, uh, so, yeah, I definitely, I'd say forceps, grab it, pull it out. it out. You know, uh, the hard part about that is, is uh, you may feel, people sometimes feel bad. Uh, I used to feel bad too and, and uh, about throwing coral away and stuff like this. Like, there's some corals out there that you just can't get rid of, even for free. If you want to give it, get rid of it to your friends. Like, I've posted on the forums before, local forums and things like that. I've got this coral, this coral, this coral. I've packaged it all nice up for you, big chunk of it for free. I'll tell you that the Xenia is one where sometimes uh, you can get a good deal go working with a local store and become like a supplier for them because oh, yeah. Xenia doesn't ship well. So, mm. like, it's one of those things that a lot of them don't really want to import from a wholesaler uh, because it doesn't ship very well. So, if, you know, if you got a ton of it and you're producing it like crazy, you know, you're not going to get, like, rich on this thing or anything. But if you can go give them, like, a ton of it, uh, they'll probably give you some free frozen food or something yeah. for it. You know, uh, I don't know, like, maybe a bucket <laughs> of carbon or something. I don't know. But you can get something for it and yeah. not, not be killing it per se. But yeah. I got to be honest. I mean, maybe somebody chastised me for this, but if I was growing sheets and sheets of green star polyps and I didn't have anywhere to go for it, uh, morally, <laughs> uh, it's not going to keep me up at night, man, yeah. because I took it from a frag that was this big yeah. and uh, I created something much larger and I try to give it away again. when I can, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, hmm. I mean, chastise me if you want, <laughs> but uh, that's the case. Uh, all right, man. What else we got here? There's a few good ones in here. Uh, uh, let's see. Hair algae out competing Kato. Help. Well, oh, I said it out loud, so I got to answer it. But no, it's not really did. related to this no. one. No. Uh, so two things. Uh, one, uh, if the hair, or if the Kato is large enough, I just flip it over. Right? Yeah. And then the hair algae tends to die because it doesn't get any light. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's the simplest path. And it and it doesn't matter if it dies and adds nutrients back because the nutrients actually get sucked up by the Kato. Yeah. And, and sometimes, like, you know, the, the hair algae is just a simpler form of algae, right? It just can reproduce itself yeah. so much faster. So much faster. So you got to get the Kato in a, you know, a state where it is, you know, stable and really wants to suck it mm. up even faster than the hair algae does. Yeah. So uh, sometimes you just got to kind of flip it for a little bit and figure it out. I think uh, eventually, or eventually what worked really well for us on the 160 here was just, I mean, you almost have to do it every day. Like uh, if you have a massive, uh, like if you have a massive aptasia problem, every day you got to kind of go in there and fight the battle. Same thing with the hair algae, like we had the 160 is manual removal, pull the stuff out. Mm -hmm. As much as you can get your hands on, then the better, and then flip it over and do all this other stuff too. But. Yeah, you know, so I would just say that you know, it's just part of, especially in a brand new refugium. Oh, like, yeah. It's just part of it. And especially, you know, today, you know, there's like this double-edged sword here. Like, one, I don't want to go to my fish store or, like, my local buddy's house mm -hmm. uh, because and get his Kato because it's probably full of whatever's in his and tank. If, yeah. And I say that, like, with the nicest thing, but, like, we all run into it. Like, you know, like, at almost everybody's tank's got something in it you would prefer it wasn't in there. And right. it all likes to live in Cato for some reason, right? <laughs> uh, and, you know, and the reality is that a fish store, you know, there's so much coming in and out, man, that, like, it's physically impossible to keep yeah. it sterile, right? Mm -hmm. So you go to, you know, a place like Algae Barn and buy it, right? Do you know what a golf ball size of Cato costs at Algae Barn? No. It's 20 bucks, man. Really? Like, yeah, so right there in our... Uh, our uh, 
uh, refugium in the back, dude, is like your trip to Hawaii. Oh. Yeah. Hey, like, hey. <laughs> I mean, it's write okay. or call Bulk Reef Supply. <laughs> <laughs> Start with GoFundMe. Uh, yeah, but we got Aptasia here. And I think our yeah, Aptasia came from Cato, man. From but not from, Al- not from Algae Barn. Because we algae originally got our Cato not from Algae Barn. We sourced it from a tank here in the office. I think that's probably where it came from. Yeah. So, yeah, so, like, uh, that's mm. the problem, though, is, like, if you get a tiny little ball, of, like, it's the size of a golf ball, how do you get that to be the primary source of exactly. uh, nutrients exact. in the tank, man? Yeah, I tell that to, I, I mention that to a lot of people, uh, uh, or I answer that a lot of times on the hashtag AskBRSTV Facebook group is, my, my refugium won't take off, my refugium won't take off. And then you look at, you know, you look at the refugium, and it is like a golf ball or a small baseball size of algae. Cato, mm-hmm. and it's on a 150 gallon tank, and they're just you can't get it to go. I, my my uh, my idea when I'm setting up a new refugium, or if I'm recommending this stuff, is jam pack that refugium so full of Cato. Don't worry about it tumbling and all this other stuff. It doesn't need to tumble. This one never tumbles. Mm-hmm. Um, but fill it up with fill it up, and then work from that, pulling stuff out as it grows. Give it a leg up, maybe. Maybe even grow it out, man, like, uh, you know, just that purpose, right? Yeah. Uh, so where do you recommend getting the Cato from there? Uh, Scott, like, I would buy it from Algae Barn because I don't know anybody else that does it. They have like, a pretty a sterile environment. Yeah, they have like, a pretty I know, intense. I know I'm not getting any, but, like, you know, here's the thing, too. Like, I mean, like, uh, you're spending a lot of money in these tanks. So, like, uh, you know, in a coral, it costs a lot of money. And oh, yeah. Coral, the care of the coral, like. I might buy a hundred dollar bag of that stuff from them. Like instead of buying twenty dollars worth, because the twenty dollars just gonna be a headache. Yeah. You know, like trying to get that to grow out and be my solution. Uh, yeah. I don't know, or I might even go with something different then. Like <laughs> if, if that was gonna be my solution. So I don't know. Yeah. Uh, you know, maybe uh, what I do actually, if I bought a little thing like that, I might start with uh, like a a really low lamp uh, light or low par lamp from like you know your typical Home Depot your CFL ball, lamp whatever yeah. that would never uh-huh. that I can put like right on top of it you yeah. know and it's not going to burn it or anything mm. and just try to like grow it out right there without tons of light hitting other areas and surfaces in mm. the tank uh, and like just try to grow out that little ball be- okay. and maybe put it in like some kind of net or you know a little cage a crate or box yeah you know something yeah black uh-huh. you know there's yeah. probably not going to grow algae as much yeah. so yeah maybe I try to do that but hmm. like I would Golf ball, man. Well, if you're gonna tr- and if you're gonna try that approach, like you can't expect it to be your primary nitrate and phosphate it's remover. Not it's not gonna be anything until it grows out big enough to be something. Yeah. But that gives you time to you know save up for like the the actual refugium light that's gonna turn this thing yep. into a machine. For what it's worth, though, like if you're growing massive amounts of uh, hair algae in there. Grab a credit card and like scrape it out and throw it in the trash. So, like that's a refugium of itself. <laughs> it is too. It's almost like an algae scrubber. Yeah, right? exactly. Yeah. So uh, it's just when it's grown on the Cato that causes the It'll problem. It'll choke it out yeah. for the most part. Cool. All right. All right. Well, how about the next one? Uh, all right. So we're on the featured Doc. posts. Oh, this was a f- uh, featured post more so like uh, I took this on Instagram and then shared it on Facebook. But you added a new fish to this tank, and I don't know why. Oh, you know what? 
uh, there's Elliot over at Marine Collector. So, okay. uh, you know, uh, this is who I asked Chad. And I'm like, Chad, man, who do we get some fish from? You know, like, I, I want a really rock solid solution. Chad's like our resident fish guy. Yeah, he breeds them. He has breeds all, yeah. kinds of them, yeah, all kinds of clowns yeah, and dotty yeah. bags. Mm-hmm. And there's still the little blennies in there. Oh, the, I think lawnmower blennies no, or something. No, they're not no. I forget. Uh, Molly. Something oh, yeah, something like that. I yeah. forget. Anyway, he breeds a ton of fish in his house. Yeah, and so. I asked him where you know to get his fish from, and he said Elliot over at Marine Collectors. I've been talking to Elliot for months now, and you know what? Like, yeah, I'm sold on Elliot all the way, right? Oh, because of all the fish that we have in the 750 well, XXL. You know, two things, man. Uh, you know, the reality is, is like uh, a lot of us just don't want to go through the process of quarantining fish. Like here, I, I just got a lot of stuff to do. I just can't, you know, be, you know quarantining doing tank transfer methods oh, uh, no. like all day long but you look at the elaborate setup off off yeah, camera right here yeah. it's like this is uh, this was our quarantine setup and i'll i'll say i'll try actually i'll snap a picture of it and either put it on the facebook group or instagram but uh a lot of people don't have room for something like this it's 340 breeder tanks stacked up uh, on top of each other with a sump underneath and that was our quarantining system for a couple of those new fish at the 750. You know, so there's two pieces to it. You know, it's not just quarantine. It's like recognizing that they're healthy to begin with. Yeah, right. right. You know, and it's like getting them healthy. And so, like, here's the deal, too. I'm fully capable of changing the oil in my car. I just don't want it. <laughs> you know, like, I just, I don't want to crawl under my car. I don't want to, like, try to figure out what I'm going to do with the oil afterward. You yeah. Know, which is actually the, probably the biggest part. And nah, when it's Minnesota. I use it all. I do it all the time. What do you do with it? You get a, you can take it to any of the auto parts stores and they'll dispose it my car, of it for free. Man, for sure. Yeah, like, I got to get the know. right container. In the summer, I'd do it for sure. In the winter, no way, man. Am I going to crawl under there? In the, it, it's <laughs> negative four this morning. I know. I changed my oil in negative 10 the other, the other week. All right, well, okay, bravo anyway. to you, man. So I, I don't want to change my oil. I don't really want to quarantine my fish right, either, right. man. I'd rather have somebody who've selected them, that they're healthy, and quarantine mm-hmm. them for me. And I know I'm not the only one out there. And, like, you know, this guy isn't going to really work with your average $20 fish. But, you know, that was an Australian uh, Harlequin Tusk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's, he's in here somewhere yeah. uh, swimming around. Uh, and... You know, so what Elliot does is, you know, you tell him the kind of fish you want to have, the mm-hmm. tank size they have, and he'll go down. And for those you don't know, over in L.A. near the airport, there's like a thing called like Fish Row. And he just walks down Fish Row, looks for the fish that are the healthiest there, you know, buys them for you, and then does a tank transfer quarantine uh, medicated me- uh, method for you, mm-hmm. you know. Gets rid of uh, all of the, you know, well, no, I shouldn't say all isn't the right word, but right. you know, most of the chances that you're going to run into any of those things, and ships you a healthy fish. Just you know? a, a better chance of success right off the bat. Yeah, right. like, and so for a lot of people, like the extra, you know, whatever it is, 30, 40 bucks on a fish you're going to keep for hopefully 15 years, mm. uh, and not only that, but you got fish in there that, that like have been in there for yeah, you're, yeah. you're protecting the lives of the fish that are in there. True. you know, and somebody does this for a living and. You know, has uh, you know their name attached to it is probably better than most people are going to do in their basement. You know? Yeah, true. So like we do do the tank transfer method here. Uh, um, you know, especially on, on new tanks and stuff. But like you're going to buy one fish. You know, you go set that whole thing up and you know take care of it. Like yeah, a lot of people don't use work, those man. systems again either. Yeah. You know, like thirty bucks. Like 
I'm not even paying myself minimum wage to do that. <laughs> the amount of time that's that's in it, you know, like uh, I'm, I'm working for a dollar an hour. Yeah. You know? like, so like I, I just got stuff I need to do at home, man. I probably would. So if at home I'm setting up my tanks, just part of my hobby, and I'm gonna do it at home. I, I don't mind. Work, mm. man. I get you bugging me all day long. You know, like uh, <laughs> you're in my office every hour telling me new new thing we need to do. So uh, it's just hard. So yeah, I don't know. So hey, check out Elliot. Uh, I think it, you know the the phrase he said to me was uh, one guy said that uh, he called him up and he's man, I've been looking for you my whole life. You know, like uh, like love at first sight kind of thing. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. Like somebody he can call up. And he just wants healthy fish, mm. and he's I just want. These three fish, can you go find them? The healthiest ones at, at the importer. Maybe you know even a step before the importer. Then quarantine them. Make sure they're healthy before they get to my house. You that's, know, and I'm willing to pay for it. That's yeah. If you're willing to pay yeah. for it, for sure. So where else are you gonna get that done? Yeah, you know, there tough. are other guys like Elliot out there, but like it's not that easy to find them. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So uh, bravo, that's Elliot. Cool. Uh, if any of you guys are interested, yeah, it's marinecollectors.com. You might see a couple of corals or fish on his website. That's not really what he does. Uh, you call and work with him to stock your tank. Yeah. Uh, it's not like he has a handful of them sitting around, you know, at all times. Sometimes some. Yeah. And speaking of uh, Dawson. Oh, maybe we got some questions related. We well. do, but I don't know them off the top of my head. Molly Miller. Come in here. Molly Miller. I saw that. Yeah. So they are Molly Miller blennies. Um, and then there's, uh, can we provide a list of the fish we placed in the brs wwc reef for 750xxl yeah, so, so far not this week but next week is a whole episode on fish oh yeah so you'll so, have everything listed out yeah i think oh. not this friday but next friday perfect so that's yep. my out yep i'll wait for your episode there you go <laughs> all right right on uh, any other questions about this one? Uh, uh, one buddy who's retro reefs was asking if he's he's heard that molly millers eat aptasia but have never seen them I've never seen a Molly Miller uh, as an Aptasia solution before. I don't think I've, meant, I've noticed it. Uh, I think. Well, I don't have Aptasia in there. Well, so no, I but I don't on the, on the forums like searching around. I've never heard that that before. Uh, but uh, Chad's your man because he's breeding them like crazy. So like Vossen uh, uh, Aquatics. Vossen Aquatics. Chad Vossen. You can tag. You can find him on Facebook and then at Vossen Aquatics. You can uh, you can bug yeah. him on chat here even. Yeah, hit the chat up and request him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess you got in big trouble. Uh, <laughs> Talk business. Yeah, yeah you uh, don't have to. Buy buy four dollars of fish food while you're at it. But, uh, no, I mean hit, hit up Chad, man, whatever way you want. I don't care if you call him up here. So like, uh, but he's got a website. You know, you can hit him too. Boston Aquatics and mm -hmm. uh, Molly Miller. He's your man. Yeah. Now, if they eat up Tasia, he's gonna be rich. <laughs> <laughs> I know. All uh, right. No, right. well, let's move on to the next one. All right. Let's see. Here. Ah, this was this a is one. a great one. Yeah. So Tyler, if for those of you not seeing, but uh, Tyler Tracy on Facebook has I've seen this a lot. You know, I used to deliver the mail before I came and worked for you, mm -hmm. and after I became a uh, reefer, I notice live rock in people's yards. It's the, well, it's the, the weirdest tank. thing. Yeah. Like you walking around, you see somebody with some live rock outside, you know they either were a reefer, they are a reefer, or the people that lived there before them had some kind of fish fish tank. Mm -hmm. Well, Tyler's got a bunch of rocks sitting out next to his fence, and he just kind of It looks to like know. he tried to make a rock garden. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, like, this is what you see actually uh, down in the Keys a lot. You know, so down in Florida. This limestone type. Yeah, I've seen a lot of this yeah. stuff, like, uh, just laying around, you know, people doing whatever with it in their yard. Yeah. So, like, 
in their case, I think it's actually limestone and not reef rock. But, <laughs> uh, you know, I've seen that kind of stuff all the time. So mm-hmm. what do you do with it if it's been sitting outside? Can you put it back in an aquarium? Yeah. Is it resalvageable? Yeah. Uh, I think so. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I would personally do, and, and I'm, thinking, I'm, talking, I'm thinking like a long path to get this ready back for aquariums. So I'm thinking like, okay, when you used to buy things like Fiji and Pukani rock, you, it was harvested from the ocean at one point in time, dried out in these big warehouses, shipped over here, maybe exposed to some elements, maybe not. But you get it and then you, you cure it. You know, you cure it for like a month or however long. Um, if it's been outside uh, next to a driveway, you got rain, you've got, you know, salt or whatever, you know, there's a bunch of things that this could get exposed to outside. Uh, I would do the same thing as far as curing it, but maybe I'd go a little further and like cure it for an extra month or something or change out the, do a month of the regular cure to get organics and things off of it, refresh the whole water, do it, let it sit and do another one series of water changes. I don't know. Just, and then test the water. Uh, I go chemical at it. You'd go, oh yeah. Chemical. Yep. Um, so acid chemical, bleach chemical, how heavy? So I don't know, both maybe. So like, uh, I don't know, it kind of depends on where it's at. So like, you could absolutely use this if it was mine. I probably would reuse it because I feel comfortable that I could get it back to the state. Yeah. Kind of depends on the tank I'm going to put it in. Like uh, mm. if I'm building out like my dream 900 gallon tank or something like that, that I'm like this is an irrelevant equation to that whole thing i'd probably <laughs> just buy new rock yeah if i'm building out my 90 gallon tank again uh you know and this is irrelevant to that thing man i'd probably clean it you know because it's not that hard and, mm. and so it doesn't take up that much space either yeah so there are two things that uh you can use so one is bleach so bleach is just going to oxidize the surface like uh, all the organics and stuff mm-hmm. on there so like you probably, the reason it's probably out there is probably shut down his tank at one point in time. Yeah. Heater probably failed. Wants to come back. <laughs> you know, like, uh, <laughs> so yeah, it wants to come back. And so the thing's probably like, you know, covered in all kinds of, uh, you know, dead algae and stuff from last time. Uh, and it might even have like weird, you know, seeds and stuff mm-hmm. in it from, you know, being outdoors. Oh, like yeah. Dandelion oh, seeds. Oh, yeah, for sure. And, you know probably caterpillar eggs and stuff and, you know, <laughs> who knows like uh, ant farm in there you know spiders yeah. and stuff so the bleach will dissolve pretty much any organic that's on there or break it down i should say and so i definitely would bleach it then is the second step you know is it's a muriatic you know, acid yeah do i want to do the muriatic acid and this is what i'll say about that like do some research first so you don't burn your eyeballs out or your head you know There's like there's certain things that I just don't touch because I know myself and I'm just clumsy and uh, not thoughtful or yeah. not. I don't put enough thought There's into it. There's like safety things here, man, all up the yeah. wazoo about yeah. how to do it. Like gases, uh, like don't mix the bleach and acid together for sure. Or you're going like, to, you know, have to like make chorine gas chlorine or gas. something. Yeah, something like uh, that. And like there's all kinds of things. And by the way, with the, the bleach, you know, people get concerned because bleach seems bad. It's, it's just an oxidant. So, uh, you know. You can just let it dry out and it actually will go away. Uh, but what you can do is, uh, in this case, is just put some dechlorinator in there. So buy the cheapest dechlorinator you can find, whatever that might be, and, you know, made from Well, I know a cap full of, like, uh, Brightwell will treat 50 gallons or something of water, it says. So yeah, you so don't need too much It works all. super well. And yeah. then what I, just if you want peace of mind, mm-hmm. then uh, pick up those little chlorine test strips. So oh, yeah. they're, like, you know, 7 bucks, and it'll tell you how much chlorine's in the water. And so you can, you know, dip it in there. And if prior, 
it's going to be like glowing red, right? <laughs> uh, afterward, it should be like yellow yeah. and not have anything. Any so seven bucks, you know for sure you got the right. Mm. You got it all out of there. Uh, but the muriatic acid, man, like it, it, you know, can burn your skin, can burn definitely your eyes, can burn like all kinds of things. You definitely don't want. There's like a procedure to safety and when you add each one and how mm. much and whatnot. So definitely do your research. And one of the things that I'll share out there is like people do like you know 10 to 1 acid to their to water or something like that. And you know it's not really actually about 10 to 1 acid and water. It's no. more about how much acid to rock. Okay. Right? Because you dissolve the rock pretty fast. We you know? in our yeah in our in your video the BRS TV investigates video on this like Plus we like, lost. I significant we, mass. I think we lost 25 percent. 25 percent. Yeah, like it was uh, really sharp. Just mass. Too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you could we weighed the rock dry, uh, or I think we strained it and weighed it, and then put it through the acid, and then weighed it again. Yeah. 25. Yeah. So loss. in this case, what you're going to do is you're going to dissolve the outer layer Pretty of the much. rock. Pretty much. Right? Yeah. And so that the reason I would do that is because sitting outside, mm. they could have been exposed to all kinds of pesticides, motor oil, like, I mean anything. Right? Yeah. Really, you know, like. Uh, uh, dog pee, man. Like, I mean, really, whatever is sitting outside, man. Just been chilling, right? Good. Yeah. So, I like, I would, I would probably want to burn off the outside. And if I did burn off, you know, ten ish percent of the outside of the rock, mm. uh, I probably would feel pretty darn comfortable that I don't have to worry about pesticides and stuff on there at that point, right? Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so that would, I don't know what they answered in that question, but I would definitely go ahead and bleach or uh, acid or both yeah for sure and there's a few people commenting on this one too right. uh, it looks like Rick uh, still in the comment section he's just sharing his his uh, experience with doing the same thing with muriatic acid it looks like he's melted it or it's melted before he's watched it go to goo so he must oh, have turned the whole rock to goo personal huh? experience there yeah uh, okay yeah uh, Rick uh, oh. thoughts on reusing rocks previously had copper and muriatic acid bleach etc anyone oh, that's use a good it? one yeah. um, I've always uh, I can't say that I've personally done it myself or used anything with copper because I've always been warned and heeded the warnings from people who say if you ever dose copper to your tank, anything that touches that copper solution, just don't ever plan on using in a reef tank again. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's one of those where I don't really want to learn by burning myself. I'll just, I'll take your advice and just not do it. You know, I couldn't tell you whether or not this is one of those magic fairy tales like that. You hear like, it all the time. Yeah, like it, it's in the silicone now, it's yeah. there, it's in your rock, yeah. it probably is in the rock. Uh, it's in your sand, it's in, you know, like one penny goes in there, everything's dead, mm -hmm. you know, like, I, I don't know if that's the case, you know, but like, I don't know, pennies aren't even made really out of copper it's anymore. Like a so copper like, amalgam type yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, I don't know, but like, you know, I personally, I, again, like I was going to put some fish in here and like a couple of frog spawn, no problem. Yeah, I'm going to put a thousand dollars worth of SPS corals in here. No way, dude. I, I just, like, it would eat at my soul. Every time I saw any coral showing any signs of anything, yeah. I would just assume all those it's, people on the planet are right. that copper. You know, the damn copper. <laughs> and so part of the problem is, like, some of those contaminants, like, you can't even really test for because the coral is actually building it up into its biomass, mm. man. So, you know, it's not like I can test and say, oh, yeah, copper's too high. Not in the water. Yeah. It's building up into its biomass and maybe it can't get rid of it. And I don't know about copper, if that's one of those ones. Hmm. But, like, you know, there's things that build up over time and you just definitely don't want. So <laughs> I, I 
would not use it. If I did, I would definitely muriatic acid it. Like, I would muriatic acid it in half. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'd eat off as much as I possibly could uh, and, and, and reasonable anyway. Yeah. Uh, and then I'd go buy new rock, actually. Uh, <laughs> after I realized. So I, I don't know. I muriatic acid it, throw it back in the driveway, and just go get new rock that doesn't touch copper. Yeah. I don't know. It's tough. You know? It's worth, you know, it's just one of those ones that's worth testing maybe. Like you, you run these these frags or these systems as have cupramine or something along those lines in there. And then run them in a different tank, freshwater, see how what the solution is. Well, luckily there's not like a good lot of reasons to use copper in a reef tank to begin with. So it doesn't come up super often. You know, I've never, I've never used it myself. So I've never ever run, I've tried to treat six fit, six fit, sick fish with it. Yeah. But like, you know what, uh, even for people around here that do this stuff a lot, it's really hard to treat sick fish, you mm. know? And so like, you have to be able to spot it so far before the things are actually dying, yeah. you know, like, have a really good eye on it and be keep uh, track, uh, keep track of it. Yeah, that's probably why there's a big blue jug of. Uh, oh, yep. Yeah, it's from uh, from Chad who breeds fish. Like he does this for. That's what uh, I was gonna say. Job. Is if you want to know how to uh, like treat your sick fish, immediately go look for somebody who works in a fish store, mm. a breeding facility, or yeah. any of those things because they've treated sick fish thousands and thousands of times. Yeah. Somebody that uh, is at home has maybe done it a half dozen times if you're really awesome. Most people, <laughs> twice, you know? And, I, and like, you should try to save them because, uh, you know, actually, you know, it's a responsible pets. thing to do. Yeah. But also, it's a fun extension of the hobby because if you save them, man, bravo to you. Pat yourself on the back three times because you are the next level of reefer over, like, a vast majority of people. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah. Uh, but, you know, getting... Don't use copper rock. I'm sorry. Do <laughs> All right. What's the next one here? Yeah. Ah, view, splitting anemones. No. All this right. This may be... So uh, what does it say? Wants to know if you've ever had an anemone split, share your story with the group. Yeah, so this is one that uh, we had posted, Adam had posted on there. That looks like a little carpet anemone, mini max, or something like that. Can you split that? Uh, I don't think I don't you think can, so and either. I don't know if they split themselves or they have little offshoots like Yumas and Recordias and things will offshoot little babies. I don't yeah. know if these types of anemones do the same type of thing. So when you're talking split, man, you're almost always talking bubble, bubble tips. tip anemones, yeah. right? Mm -hmm. uh, and I've I've never run across anybody who's actually successfully split anything else. Anything other than those, yeah. yeah. So like, if you can, I I, I don't know anybody yeah. that knows that you can. So mm. uh, has successfully done that, which means it's either rare or really, 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 really hard. And there's some uh, there's some good forums out there. So Reef to Reef has a really good forum on anemones specifically, and I think there's even like sections of them maybe sticky threads at the top that are like propagating anemones and which ones do and which ones don't so, i mean that's like some valuable information you see a, a bubble tip anemone video where you can frag it and then automatically assume that anything anemone you can do this to and you start going hacking up without knowing but there's people out there that have put the research and time and effort in to say here's the ones that you probably could do here's the ones to stay away from don't do that hmm. so yeah that's interesting you know so like uh, I will tell you, we had a couple of videos on like how to you know slice and dice them really yeah. you know and manually uh, 
um, propagate, know, propagate them, them and, and cut them in half and whatnot. And I'll say they general, generally, you know, grab on to two pieces of rock and like literally tear themselves in half. And like, mm. you know, I don't know if you need to get them to do that per se, but like generally I see them do it actually as a reaction to stress. So it changes in parameters. Yeah, and, changes yeah. in parameters, like lighting changes, mm. flow changes, you know, like generally stress causes them uh, like a response to we don't want to like increase the chance for life and I'm, I'm making that up because it I, just it, like, seems, seems to be like, that way yeah it's something to play around you know, with in your home rock I guess, lands on top of it yeah. falls down all of a sudden it's six of them mm. you know <laughs> uh and for what's worth i've seen big uh rose bubble tip anemones tear themselves up in in one night into six mm. you know so it's not just in half like they can pizza themselves, yeah. you know, and they all seem to find, you know, they kind of like close up on the wound and, you know, do their little thing. Huh. And so, uh, you know, they're one of the easier things to propagate, you know, like you just cut them in half, you know, and they do really well with feeding and whatnot, you know. It's like make sure each half or each section has a bit of mouth and yeah. they can really regenerate that mouth. That's a good good point yeah and also i mean there's actually have a couple videos on this but yeah. like you don't want to smash it and crush it when you're mm. going through you just kind of slice it you know and the first time you see it you're like oh man you're cutting that animal in half yeah you know like that's terrible to me uh well hey every time you do that like you are reducing the need for one to come out of the ocean and for every one that comes out of the ocean probably three died along the way you <laughs> know so like i don't know Shipping, that to be yeah. the case like that for sure but you know it depends on how many hands it had to get to before it went to your house you mm -hmm. know so like if i can remove any need to take out of the ocean in this one we could probably remove all need because uh, mm -hmm. they propagate and they actually sell for a lot you know the rose yeah, rose, the, you know. the rainbow bubble tips the colorado sunbursts and things like that mm -hmm. they go for some pretty big bucks but they're awesome looking too so. yeah and like you just it's just so so easy to you know cut them up and I'll say this too, like if you're feeling like you're mean because it hurts them or something, I don't think they have a nervous system like that that would tell you that it actually causes pain. <laughs> they don't scream. Yeah. But the second thing is, is A, you know, it's actually probably more likely to survive if you do it right. Because, mm. you know, think of like, uh, you know, if I tore off my finger or if, you know, you scalpeled a, a wound, right? Yeah. Like w the scalpel is going to create a clean wound that you can, you know, heal up. Mm. You know, tearing stuff is really an ugly, you know, scenario. Yeah. So, like, uh, it is actually probably nicer to the animal than having it tear in pieces. I'll, I'll tell you what's not a good method to try to hack up your enemies, and that's let them go through the power heads. Mm. I've, I've had that yeah, happen. They crawl in there. Oh, yeah, with yeah. a giant uh, uh, H. Crispa. It was a sea bay anemone. Uh, and I had a big, giant one. He decided to move one day and get chopped up. So that's why on that clownfish harem tank, we had guards on the propellers. We'd run them in low flow. And they've, they travel. I had a giant carp. I shouldn't tell this story live on YouTube, but like, <laughs> I'm going to tell it anyway. Uh, and so I had a giant blue carpet down in a frag tank, mm. and uh, I thought something smelled down there, and it had died. And I'm like, all right, well, I got to like scoop it out and like bring it to the trash, right? Yeah. I scooped it out of the water, 
and got it in my hands and immediately, man, it smelled so bad that it was like just projectile, like right <laughs> all over it, man. I had to There like, was no chance. It was, it was like in three seconds. I couldn't help it. It was so much like decaying material, like now covered in gross. Yes. And uh, I had to go upstairs and, or go to the uh, the hardware store and buy like a, uh, a, a, ventilator, a ventilator, dude, just to get down there to clean up the toxic waste. You know, it was a hazmat uh, scenario. If there's one thing that an enemy won't come back from it's probably stomach acid yeah it was, it was so <laughs> terrible man uh, uh, so oh, like, man, i don't know gross. if i have any advice about that specific uh don't do that i guess is my specific advice <laughs> but I, I guess i've been through it all at this point man oh, like wow. every crazy probably experience you can get but yeah and cutting up the enemies was one of my favorite projects man like i just i felt really good about it yeah. you're, you're getting them out there into the world and you know helping you know a species that really has no need to be collected in the hmm. wild anymore. Uh, if you want to watch a really cool Blast from the Past video of yours, uh, go watch the propagation one. Yeah, I'll just say a couple of things when you do the propagation one is, uh, you know, find stuff that you can get the foot off of really easy. Yeah, that's right? a tough one. Mm. Yeah, so, you, like, the problem is they don't really like to stick to glass and PVC and stuff like that. Right. And if you let them attach to rock, then, like... Good luck. Yeah, then it's, like, really hard to get the foot off to be able to cut it and you're damaging it. So you really want to be able to just kind of, like, peel it off. Yeah. And my, you know preference in that kind of environment if you're going to try to propagate them is do uh, something called an airlift as a pump oh yeah you know so mm -hmm. an airlift is just a piece of pvc with a little elbow on the top and yep. it goes air it goes in the bottom displaces some of the water in there which causes water to rush in and come out the top fresh water uses them big time oh do they filters yeah oh, okay mm -hmm. so airlift works in uh, reefing too and so mm -hmm. well, what happens then is if like if the an enemy decides to go into the now it's called pump just kind of like why well, it finds its way at the top. Yeah. You know? Uh, and there's not, no moving parts in there. To like free free flow in a tank. Like just add air. Yep. That's pretty cool. Yeah, there you go. All right. Any other questions related to that? Uh, not oh, really. I'm curious why you don't carry Pukani Dry Rock anymore. Uh, it was a uh, right. It was, it was your favorite at one point in time. Yeah. So Fiji just shut down their rock export, so they don't ship rock anymore. I think it was. I don't think it's going to ever happen again. Yeah. And uh, it was just probably a matter of time. For yeah. those of you who still have it. You know. Yeah. So the, here's the thing about you know stuff in the ocean and whatnot is like, you know, uh, there's some things that are finite resource. Rock is probably one of them. Yeah, uh, there yeah. might probably be tons and tons of rock still down there, you know. But I mean, I'm sure there is. But like at some point, you know, it's like you know what? Let's stop taking that out of the ocean. Yeah, I, there's other options. There's there's uh, probably a piece of everybody who's in this hobby that there's sustainability of what we're doing here is is sort of important to them here and yeah. there. Yeah. I mean, in relation to that, you know, people are like, well, they're going to shut down this place or that place or mm -hmm. whatever, and they probably will, you know. And in a long enough timeline, you know, like inside of our lifetimes, you're probably going to see that most of the corals that we get are propagated, you mm -hmm. know, and like some of them will be slower than others. You know, there's ways to propagate euphilia. Uh, it's just slower. Uh, there are ways to, uh, you know, like growing zoanthids and softies and mushrooms ones, and all that yeah. kind of stuff, mm -hmm. no problem. A lot of LPS, no problem. SPS, like the, you know, I wouldn't say the easiest, but like obvious, yeah. right? Uh, and something like a brain coral that may take 10 years to get to a saleable size, that's probably done, man. Like at some point, like you can only take so many of those out of the ocean before yeah. it just doesn't make any yeah. sense anymore. For especially global demand, not just the United States, you know. Uh, so like, hey, you know, I don't know. So I 
Hey, the Pukani's gone. No big deal. And you know. It might be some of your favorite corals down the road might be gone too, but it kind of gives the opportunity the, for reefers to repopulate, you know, some of these pieces of the ocean or something. So. You know, all kinds of things have changed since I've been in the yeah. hobby. So, like, when I was in the hobby, for 70 bucks, man, you could get, or when I started the hobby, rather, like, you can get a euphilia, like a frog spawn, man. It's, like, this big for 70 bucks. Mm-hmm. Now 70 bucks gets you, like, one head. Right? <laughs> yeah, like, true. And, then, like, there's things that, like, you know, I want a blasto. You know, I could get blasto as back in the day, like, a you know, a little colony yeah. for 70 bucks. Yeah. Now there's 70 bucks a head. Yeah. You know, like... So it's just like a different kind of world now than it was uh, back then, you know. And you know what? I mean, I wish the days were back that I could go get those things that big, that easy. It just isn't the case. Yeah. You know, so now we get them small, we grow them out. It's part of a hobby, you know. Uh, less insta-tank out there, I guess. It's a hobby in patience, for sure. Yeah. Sort of like fishing, I, I guess. I mean, I don't know. Like we were talking about earlier with that guy's tank, you know. It's like, uh, hey, man, I get the tank up. I wait for two years, you know, it's part of my hobby. I get it to, to be awesome. And then it's two years I learn something new, which is now bonsai, you know. Yeah. Uh, the growth isn't my problem anymore. It's actually making it look, you know, sculpted and pretty. So, like, it's just part of the phase. Like, what if I buy the whole thing set up day one? Yeah. You know, that's cool. Like, but I might as well go get a guy to clean it for me, too. You know, <laughs> like, uh, just, you know, take care of it. Like, take care of my pool or something. Yeah, you know? yeah. yeah. We don't have pools here in Minnesota usually, but uh, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, all right, man. What else? We got another question here before we move on. Uh, not about. All right, let's get uh, another another one of these guys. So we're looking at. Uh, oh yeah, the, this was David. David's question. Who was just kind of like sharing the parameters of his tank? You can see uh, that it's fairly new rock, so it's a. Huh. Pretty new established tank, or pretty new tank here. And he was just kind of wondering uh, when was it too early to throw frags in there, throw corals in there, if there's such thing as too early. I got a really solid answer. Go yeah. ahead. Test coral. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> throw one in, man, and uh, cheap one. It's right? some, yeah, it's something that we're we're starting to do here with the 750, and yep. then now the test tanks and stuff. I've been in trying the lab. to put test corals in there today, and I'm just not getting around to it. Yeah. but it'll be this week for sure. Uh, but the lab thing, man, uh, definitely those guys, they got test corals in all of them. They all look good. And then, like, super high confidence that we're going to do well from there go, a- after that looks good. Yeah, go buy your, go to your local store, go to a swap, buy your first frag. Don't have to buy all of them at once. Just throw it in there and watch it and see how it does. I, I will say that in my experience, new tanks, uh, uh, like softies, LPS, uh, you know, uh, you know, polyp type corals yeah. like uh, green star polyps xenia all that stuff it tends to do pretty good in pretty new tanks uh, especially newer tanks where people don't take care of them mm-hmm. uh, properly yet mm-hmm. like haven't figured out the maintenance rhythm and whatnot uh, you know I, I don't know what the word stability uh, actually means like <laughs> but like uh, SPS coral this like one stability like yeah yeah and so that means maturity a whole lot too, of different maturity yeah. but those are like you know, mythical, like undefinable. Yeah. Words. How do you measure that? Yeah. Yeah. So, if you want to go SPS corals, uh, you're probably not answering that question, like uh, or asking it in, in many cases. Well, everybody learns at one point, so yeah, you are. No, but I do like there. There is some logic uh, to WWC's approach that we're doing for you know these SPS dominant tanks is when you start growing calcareous algae like mm. coralline. That's probably a good indicator that you could probably sustain some, you know, some encrusting SPS type sticks too. Or better yet, if you can't sustain uh, coralline LG of any <laughs> Don't kind. Don't put stuff know. like that in there. Yep. Yeah. Don't do it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, 
With BRS using both the Triton and Zeovit method, which did you prefer? Oh man, like I try to get away from that question every time. <laughs> uh, you know, like I, I say that just because uh, I, I like the guys on both teams, and I try not to try to keep those conversations like uh, why each one was great rather than against each other. Yeah. But I think we'll just answer it. They both honestly. have the they both have their different approaches. I I don't know the way I view it is like uh, my approach to reef keeping, which is a little less hands off, little less daily in the tank mm -hmm. so the zeovit which can keep you in tune to your tank because you're touching it every day you're adding stuff to it you're shaking the mulm and all this other stuff like you're with your tank every day uh, i'm a little bit busier than that so i like to let my tank go so triton method is probably more me where it's a little more hands-off sending a test uh, i'm getting trace elements doing some of this other stuff kato's taking care of my nitrates phosphates um, but that also could lead to the other end of lazy where sure I'm doing Triton and I, maybe I don't have to touch this anymore and then next thing you know you're not doing anything and the tank crashes so there's like a happy medium somewhere there for me but I mean these guys are gonna hate me for this but like I just gotta say it how it is so uh, with the Zeovit method for me I really liked it man mm -hmm. I really did I was super in tune with the tank it, like you know whether it's doing anything or not man feel like you're doing something you're dropping little drops in tank looks awesome it was like one of those tanks that was like insta tank you know everything was growing really well you know, you know from almost day one yeah and you know it was just super easy algae and stuff uh like you know we showed the uh brown tank uh, up front if you follow the you know process that Zeovit lines out I, like a lot of people probably skip the ugly phase of a brand new tank not always but high, high, higher mm -hmm. likelihood because they're promoting the right bacteria and all kinds of stuff right from the beginning you're dosing them right. in fact look nutrients won't be an issue because you are essentially carbon dosing and taking ammonia out with the little rocks hmm. so like I think it's actually probably a high percentile you know entry point for a lot of newer reefers especially like you know the aggressive ones you know there's like hey i want two clownfish and, a, and an enemy yeah and then there's the guy who's like i want a reef tank you know <laughs> like i want to like really go after this you know yeah. and you know for that second guy i think this is really cool and then i'll say about the year two mark i'm probably tired of doing little drops every day mm -hmm. you know like uh and I start to get lazy and I'm covering more and more vocations and stuff where I got to teach somebody how to like do all the little drops and everything, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so, man, I really, 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 really liked it. If you're the type of person that really likes, you know, doing 10 minutes of stuff with the tank every day. Which, which isn't much anyway. No, and like if you really, man, I say this over and over again. A lot of people say, oh man, I don't want to do 10 minutes of stuff. If you don't got 10 minutes to enjoy your tank every day, you get a question why you even have it. Yeah. yeah. You, you know, That's like what purpose is this thing serving in your house? You know, yeah. so I, I got to enjoy it. It was kind of forced enjoyment, but like it's not. Once you do it, you're like, oh, man, this is actually, I get to see the fish every day and really pay attention to it. Mm. With uh, the Triton thing, man, I guess I really bought into the no water change thing because I couldn't think of the, you know, logic that wouldn't work. And then when I say really bought in, man, bought in enough to try it on, like, one of the most valuable tanks to me that's yeah. around here this one mm. it worked and then we tried it on some other ones and you know what it worked on was a really well-established tank like this one yes and didn't work so well on brand, brand new. new tanks yeah. right mm -hmm. and the the logics just didn't work as well and it wasn't fully triton on those things either i should say in fact it wasn't trained at all no it, was it wasn't refugium stuff but yeah. like uh 
if I, you know, had to say it, I think I really like the Triton thing a lot. I probably would just do the water changes anyway. So I, re I like the, the the Triton method because it's like a it's like a two or four part that is you know balanced for a refugium with trace uh, elements, which is the only one. Yeah, you know all the rest of them are going to have depleted iron and probably molybdenum and a variety mm -hmm. of other things that the plant actually takes up. Uh, this one's actually balanced for that specific purpose. Hmm. I really like and, the, and like it doesn't have to be a method. I'm gonna probably send in a test kit uh, every six to 12 months on any tank that matters to me just because I want to know what the hell's going on in the tank other than like waiting to see if uh, things go bad you know because if things go bad it's usually you know somewhere near too late you know, yeah depending on where you catch it I'd rather know that like you know something's in the tank that shouldn't be whatever I'm doing maybe I start a new food and the food has uh you know like I, mean, I thought it was really a great idea to start feeding tuna to the tank, and I found out that tuna had high mercury levels or something. Yeah, you know? how are you going to catch that? Yeah, you wouldn't, wouldn't think about that kind of stuff. Right. So there's all kinds of stuff that you like just wouldn't think of, and now you have a vision into. So you know, even if it's just once a year on a tank, man, it's like going to a vet bill. You know. Yeah, it's true. So uh, the Triton thing, man, and then. I guess for me, if I was really depleted or anything, I would buy those little bottles and I'd fix it, right? But I'd rather do water changes yeah. and reduce the need for buying all the little bottles and the, you yeah. know and trying to fix all those things. So, you know, you know, I don't I don't blame those guys. You know, the you know, Germans, man, are like really high tech technology, and they're right, man. Like, you know. Fix it to match natural seawater. Use a system that's most likely to match natural seawater and fix it. And natural seawater will produce results. Like mm -hmm. there's no question about it. But I've also seen some pretty terrible solutions work as well. Like uh, so, there's some gambit between <laughs> you know being perfect and you know pretty poor. Yeah. And like as long as you're pretty close to perfect, you're might as well be all the way there yeah right? and so do some water changes uh, specifically if you can make them easy to do uh, and I really like the Triton method and in the end if I had to pick one that would be it the Triton the refugium with the Triton method because mm -hmm. it matches a longer term uh, lifestyle for me I'd just do the water changes that wouldn't then you part and you wouldn't implement it until later down the road in the tank's life like no, well, I'd, I would do the whole thing right now. I just okay. would do the water changes from the beginning. Okay. So yeah, I'd yeah, set yeah. up the refugium. I'd set up, I'd do the whole thing. And the water changes ain't going to hurt anything, right? No. So I do 10% water changes uh, or 10 to 15% water changes every week. It's not going to hurt the tank. The only argument you can make is, well, maybe it's irrelevant and you didn't actually need to do those changes. But the cost right? of salt a month or a uh, week yeah, the 20 is, bucks is, we, is or cheap. Or the month, yeah, yeah. It's irrelevant to the equation yeah. for how, how expensive the, or what's in this tank. Exactly. And the insurance policy that it provides. Yeah. So like, I don't have to send in that test kit. I don't have to wait three weeks for it to get back or two weeks and like read the results and then go out and order four elements mm -hmm. and try to fix it. Like I'm a month and a half behind wherever there was Already. a problem and that as soon they sent it the day that the problem was there right <laughs> yeah. and so like I'm probably three months behind whatever it was by the time I've actually fixed it if I do the water changes I just like I'm going to solve a vast majority of those issues so I never even have to run into them and only the big ones will I have to deal with mm -hmm. like major deviations for some reason maybe my salt mix is like uh, terrible it you know bad batch you know, whatever that is. <laughs> right you know like uh, but you know uh, I, so I would, 
I, I talked myself into it. I, I would go Triton. I'd do the water changes anyway. That wouldn't be the part of how I'd do it because I really like the refugiums. I especially like the refugiums on the first, you know, two years of the tank life. Like the first two months, it's a little rough. But from two months on to, you know, maybe two or three years, it's a super awesome component of making sure you don't run into algae oh, and yeah. all kinds of other yeah. issues. All yeah, right. it's a super effective. So. Yeah. All right, there you go. Uh, all right, do we have any more questions before? Like, I mean, we gotta, we're got we going a little over here. Uh, About this one specifically, I don't think so. No, I mean, both over here. Do we go through all of today's uh, topics? We've got one more. Oh. No, there's one about one that. One more that. featured topic. Uh, two more featured two more. topics. Let's go through them real quick. Uh, okay. yeah. uh, one of them's easy. This there's one's we've talked about. Oh, is this oh. the easy one or is not the easy one? Yeah, there's two of them. Right. Uh, two easy. We'll uh, this one was a question for the Toonsie Osmolator, and he says, uh, sorry, River, females. She says, Ryan recommends uh, Toonsie Osmolator and the Apex pretty frequently. What is the benefit of using a standalone ATM, ATO system versus float and or optical sensors plugged directly into the Apex controller? All right, so um, I'll just answer that some things are just better separate. Like a par meter is better separate. To yeah. Me. Like I can bring the meter and I can put it on a pole and go check it and it says it right in front of me. And, you know, I can get an Apex and probably do the same thing. And yeah. actually it, with the Apex, it might even be cheaper and use my phone that way, I guess. But uh, you know, I don't think I, it actually updates in real time that way. So, yeah. uh, like. I was thinking about uh, your. Uh, I was thinking about your analogy with the heaters. So it was back. Uh, I forget what we were talking about. What episode it was? Uh, it, may have been, it might have been a fifty-two weeks or controllers or something like that. Uh, but the differing technologies mm. as far as redundancy goes. So it's you got your ATO with an optical sensor, which is different from the float switch, which is different from the uh, the apex. And if you have float switches in the apex, or if you have a solenoid tied to it to open and close, or different valves and stuff like that, just the uh, separating those technologies to build redundancy into the system. Yeah, I mean, you hit a really excellent point there. Like with the heater, is I have a heater controller mm. and then I have my Apex yeah. because the Apex can fail too, you know? And so like uh, the temp probe has a lifespan on it, yeah. you know, like yeah. that probably last, you know, three, four, five years, whatever, but it has a lifespan. And, you know, if you don't, if you abuse it less, you know? So uh, same thing, I guess, uh, in this case is I'm gonna have a water level controller and I could back it up with uh, my Apex if I wanted to. Yeah. But, the main reason in this case is uh, I've used a lot of different stuff and the oscillator is easy to use yeah. and it just works. It's, it's got a long-standing history with tons of reefers yeah. of working solidly. Yeah. Uh, and uh, and that's the end of story. So like I, I look at all the new ATOs that come out. Some are cheaper, some are smaller, some are whatever. Uh, multiple, multiple, yeah, multiple layers. Yeah, you know, like 18 different optical sensors, you know, <laughs> like, right. you know, it comes with free babysitter and whatever. <laughs> uh, but, like, yeah, I, I don't know, man. Yeah. I, I just, that thing just works. And, you know, it, it doesn't just protect the tank. It protects your house, you know. Mm. So Max it, run time. Yeah, you know, like, there's a lot of areas, man, where, you know, 10 gallons of water can, you know, salt water specifically, oh, yeah. can destroy your floors, your ceiling, the couch that's below it, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, mm -hmm. man. So uh, your marriage, you know, in some <laughs> cases, uh, I don't know, it depends Could on how be. many times you've destroyed this thing, <laughs> you know. Uh, 
but yeah i don't know in my cases uh, i i just like that and then use a controller to back it up use the optical sensors right. that come with it yeah and you know in that case man like uh, i'm sorry terrence but you know he's got the the atk, ATK. right mm -hmm. and i guess in what relation to what we're talking about the ATK is kind of using the brain from the Apex, uh, you know, so... It's also using the uh, the different types of technology, too, to where you have the optical sensors, but you have this the straight mechanical float valve on it, so... Mm -hmm. No, that case, yeah. Pushes, the pressure float just... works good. Pushes, yeah, keeps water at bay, yeah. So, one of the things I guess I'd say is... Uh, uh, ideal for me would be use the uh, oscillator and then use a couple of uh, like the FMM and the optical some, eyes or yeah. whatnot on some the sensors, apex to yeah. back it up. So yeah. that'd be my option. Now one more, last one, the last one of the day. So for those of you who don't know, uh, these are all featured on uh, Aspirus TV. Featured posts. Featured yeah. posts, mm -hmm. and then we featured them on the. Uh, Facebook page, uh, the Bulk Beast Supply pay, pay, Facebook page. Yeah. So, you know, come and join us. Uh, conversations are fun. Yeah, and if you aren't on as, uh, hashtag AskBRSTV, this next one that's coming is you get little nuggets like this from Ryan, uh, who throws thing his voice in there every once, oh, in, a once in a while. We get in there and we uh, answer questions, Ryan and I both. But Ryan asks these uh, thought provoking questions like uh, <laughs> calling you out. Do you use primer? <laughs> and, uh, uh, now I do because I've made this video that we're showing how to glue PVC together. I'm going to embarrass myself here. Okay. So, I mean, <laughs> even more than an enemy thing. <laughs> All right. You. So, same basement, actually. So, uh, <laughs> I, you know, like needed to, like, learn how to, or I needed to plumb a big system in my basement, right? Yeah. And I actually had Never to... Never plumbed before. I had to search how to glue oh, yeah. PVC. Okay. Well, because I mean, like, it sounds dumb, but like, I've never done it before. I take it for I yeah. must take it for granted that my grandfather worked in the septic, you know, the septic industry. Because I just knew, I grew up doing how to do this. I literally had no idea. Yeah, I mean, it was like you know, 18, 15 years ago or something. You know, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know, like, who knows, man? And it's super simple, right? Yeah, yeah. But like, uh, actually, it's not that simple, man. Because I actually went out and uh, I googled it, and you, you know prime it but most people say you don't have to prime it so don't bother you put the glue on it and like you smoosh it yeah. together and then whatever mm -hmm. and then i found out that my like you know four hundred dollar plumbing thing had four leaks in it man after gluing yeah. it after and putting like, it all together and i'm like cutting it out and like <sighs> you know, it's just a total nightmare right and so from that point on i learned how to do it proper mm -hmm. right which you know is like preferably you know like carve the edge off or sand the rough edge so the little burrs after you cut a square angle yeah yeah if you just slide it into a fitting they actually channel the glue yeah right? and that's where your leak's going to come out so you gotta sand the little burrs uh -huh. off preferably sand the outside and get it ready for the Ooh. primer and clean it right? rough surface to hold on to yeah yep prime the inside uh -huh. you know get it softened of the fitting prime the outside of the pipe because the primer right? eats some of that pvc the top like a layer of it or it's not eats, eats it, it but it. it softens it right? yeah huh. then glue it and then for what you don't know for those you don't know the glue actually dissolves the surfaces both and once it bonds them Welds together it. Yeah, so they're now one. Yeah. So that fitting is more likely to break in the middle of the fitting than it is at the bond yeah. uh, at that point, right? Yeah. It's actually stronger. Hmm. 
So, like, uh, what I learned at, at that point, man, is uh, do all the steps. Like, Some people even camp for the edges of the front, uh, so angle it in, yeah. so that way it does slide into the fitting nicely. Yeah. I actually had a little grinder uh, when I was doing big projects that instead of trying to sand it off, I'd just spin the pipe a little bit on the little oh, yeah. wheel sander oh, yeah. thing. That makes sense. Net grinder, wheel sander. So, that being said, purple is not the only primer that you ha that you can get. Mm -hmm. A lot of people will like shy away from I've seen, I, I think on your post too here, some comment somewhere that was... Uh, you didn't want to use primer because it got purple stuff everywhere. Mm -hmm. And you can be sloppy with primer, it happens, but they make, you know, clear primer. Yeah, so. Uh, you can actually get clear at, uh, I haven't seen it at Home Depot, but I've seen it at, well, actually, maybe a couple of them I have. Mm -hmm. uh, I know locally we have a Menards uh, chain here, they have that. I think sometimes I see it at like Ace Hardware's and, and whatnot. The reason that it's not super popular is because of building code. Oh, they want to see that you yeah. actually did the glue on here. The, yeah, in the inspectors. And maybe it's different ah, in your okay. state, but that makes the, sense. here the inspector wants to walk by and be able to visually see that you actually primed all of the joints. Yeah, you know? that makes uh, sense. It's important enough to them that you took that step. Well, uh, half of the time that's going behind a wall permanently or in the ground permanently, so it's, oh yeah. you have to make sure it's done right. Yeah, yeah, it's a big deal, man. Huh. It leaks. So, uh, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, I don't know if you guys use primer or not. I, I've seen actually threads where people debate that the primer actually makes it worse. Oh, I don't know. Like, I'm not a primer, you know. I think the biggest, engineer. yeah, I think the biggest uh, proponent that people argue about for not using primer is that these are not high pressure plumbing mm -hmm. situations. So, the glue is enough to hold the thing together and sort and make a, uh, yeah, a leak-free connection very low pressure but uh, a leak is a leak man actually like it's not like it's bursting yeah you know, it's like if there's a hole for a leak a low pressure high pressure it's just the velocity that it comes out at that point you know? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so I, I don't know man I, I would strongly suggest using primer anybody have any questions clear primer, the primer is the best there's they a lot about clear primer gray glue uh, gray glue as gray well. <laughs> they glue. do have gray goose too <laughs> Uh, so like schedule 80 and it kind of looks like a weld almost oh yeah it comes out so it's pretty, pretty cool, cool. yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, I guess I could make one point too about gluing like if you're make sure so for standard plumbing like PVC to PVC is common but there are some pumps out there I th the abyss is one uh, there are some pumps out there there are some there is some gear out there that a lot of people want to implement into their system and it's just it's not PVC the fittings on them but they're like ABS or something mm -hmm. like that there is specific glue out there for ABS to PVC type fittings, so it's worth researching on, on your gear. Especially if it's going to be exposed. So like if it is going to be in your sump where a tiny leak doesn't matter, who cares? Yeah. Uh, if it's going to be external and you put 500 bucks in plumbing into this, or sometimes even more, uh, get the right glue for yeah. the right purpose. Yeah. You know, uh, some of that stuff can eat up the pump, and now you've just not only ruined your fitting, but your pump too. So yeah, like uh, leaks, man. I mean, gosh, it takes so much effort to plumb hard plumb a tank properly, to you know dig around with like even assuming. I mean, just it takes an extra collective hour. 
to make sure that you prep the fittings yeah, right. Right. Uh, and in, in the end, man, you also feel like you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, like you I, trust I put it effort more. Into this, yeah. yeah. And, and like you know, the first effort is just, just to wing it in the beginning, and then by the end, like you're measuring everything perfect. Yeah. You know? So, uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Keith, I, Keith brings up a good point, or a good point, but Keith brings up something over here. He's still in the pending comments. And he just says, "You'll if you have a really slow, low leak, eventually the salt creek will build up and clog it." <laughs> sometimes it, uh, it does happen. Yeah. Sometimes right. the salt creep will will do that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if that's the preferred. Not the solution. most recommended or preferred, but yeah, it'll do it. Yeah, sometimes. I, I would actually. I mean, it's it's correct. <laughs> uh, you never know when it's going to stop. So, like, yeah. if it's in a place where it doesn't matter that it leaks, like it's going to drip back in your tank, I don't know. Yeah. Maybe not. If it's going to drip on your floor, uh, change it. it. <laughs> For sure. It. Fix it. All right, well, cool. hey, maybe we'll do this again next week. Maybe we'll do something different. I don't yeah. know. Uh, but, again, for those of you that stuck with us this whole time, man, join uh, us over on uh, hashtag AskBRSTV. And uh, giving up. Oh, you know what we're doing this week, man? Yeah, I'm I do preview. know. You're going to preview it? Yeah, you, you preview it, man. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, yesterday, I posed, or yesterday, last week, I think on Wednesday, I posed the question to the group uh, if they're ready for some kind of uh, – we passed 8,000 8,000 members, and over the weekend, we are now past 8,500 members. So I was uh, I just 7,000 of which are active, by the way. Yeah, that like, means yeah, like 7,000 or upper 7,000 of you people, of you people, of <laughs> all of you guys in the group are actually talking, liking, commenting. So it's a really active group. Uh, so I asked uh, if it was time for a giveaway, and I think we're going to do it. We're going to announce it on Friday. Uh, but we've got something. I mean, if you made it through an hour, let's leak it. Okay. I mean, like, it's been here with us an hour. Yeah, you might as well. So, yeah, we're going to give away 30 buckets of Tropic Marin Pearl Reef, the big buckets. And yeah, big 200-gallon. What, what do they actually come They like, actually make 170 gallons right up. Yeah. 30 buckets of salt for free. So, I mean, we're not going to give them to all one person, but 30 different people. 30 different so, people. So, uh, yeah, man, so anybody in the, or in, the, in the group. So, yeah, uh, so uh, the way we're going to run it, I'm going to make a post in AskBRSTV, the hashtag AskBRSTV Facebook group. You're going to have to comment and like that specific post to get entered. And then uh, we'll give you about a week to, to do that process, invite your friends. But uh, that means you also have to be a member of the group. So come join the group. Talk with us. And don't go look right now because it's not going to start It's not Friday. there. So Friday. Watch we're, for on Friday. Preview. Preview. Just like a, like a teaser. Yeah. <laughs> and then I uh, Wednesday I'm coming out with uh, the calcium, first round of calcium reactor testing for investigates. And what are you going to talk about this week? I have no idea. Okay. But, uh, no, I'm going to do maintenance. Uh, but the calcium reactor thing is going to be actually more interesting. Yeah, uh, cool. So, like, uh, I'm not going to give it away. But, like, I can tell you already, we're going to change the world of how you set up your calcium reactor permanently. Because uh, all the stuff that we have been talking about in the past, kind of true. Yeah. Kind of BS. Yeah. You know, like, uh, sure. yeah, I mean, there is science that is uh, accurate. But it doesn't matter in the way that you think it does. Uh, you know? <laughs> so uh, we are absolutely going to learn something uh, uh, on Friday then or Wednesday? Uh, yeah, Wednesday we're pushing out the first round of testing for the calcium reactor. And then we're probably going to follow it up, I think, next week or the week after. We're going to have 
like the information for the next round of salt testing that we did, and maybe a little extra too. So got a lot of cool stuff coming. Well, I, I don't know. I know I know a lot of people don't use calcium reactors these days. Yeah. But I think that's going to change. And I got to tell you, I haven't be been more anticipating people's response to a video more than this one. In the last time. So <laughs> cool. I can't wait. All right. Well, uh, we will see you on Wednesday. We'll see you on Wednesday yeah. and Friday. All right, guys. Take care. See you.